Welcome to another episode of Where You Are. I'm sitting here with Fox on Sunday evening. Hi. We got the day right today. Yes, we did. It My- is the 8th. It is the 8th, and tomorrow is the 9th, and this episode will drop tomorrow. I love saying drop. I feel very cool. Sounds gummy to me. (laughs) So my heart is full this weekend. I've had a great weekend. I think we had a wonderful political win, and I'm very excited about that. Also, I sat in on this Zoom meeting with Fanola Hughes and Ian Buchanan from General Hospital Days. They're both They've done other things as well, but that was really fulfilling to me to actually sit with a lot of other people and be able to talk to Fanola Hughes and ask her a question and tell her how much I appreciated her. And then today I've been listening to my Dolly Parton Time Life Ultimate Collection and just being lazy all day. And I have really enjoyed this weekend. I really do feel fulfilled. I'm glad for it. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I had a creative block with the stress leading up to the event, but then the event happened, and we can see a path forward and things are not so immediate. So on the basis of that, I've been able to go back into creating. I'm working on the next episode of The Audio Parlor, and I actually have some friends of mine, both local and from other places I've lived, who are offering their voices to it. So it'll be a fun time. I look forward to that new episode of yours, which will be next Monday, right? Yes, it'll be next Monday, a Monday after the 9th, which is... 16th, probably. 9 plus 7, yes. Look at that. I did some simple math. There you go. It's a continuation of our Triplicate Girl exploration, looking at a time when she, as duo damsel, had developed a split personality (laughs) between the two bodies, yes. Well, I'm excited also because this week I'm going to be a guest... On one of my friend's podcasts, Carla The Truth Youngblood has a podcast called On the Edge of the Truth, Mm -hmm. and she does it live on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. That's Central Time. So this Thursday at 6 p.m., Thursday the 12th, if you want to see me live with Carla Youngblood, tune into that. That will be very interesting. I'll actually be talking about my history and how I came to do the podcast and about my teaching and all of that. And, you know, speaking of that, I've been thinking a lot lately of what the future holds. I really know that I'm on the cusp of some kind of change. I can feel it. Have you ever seen West Side Story? There's that song, and something great is coming. Do you know that song? No. Why are you making fun of me? I'm not making fun of you. (laughs) I just don't know it. I'm sorry. I can sing a little bit of a song, right? I won't get sued. No. But yeah, I can feel the change coming. I'm so sick of grading papers, I could literally quit right now. I could just turn in the keys and throw them under the door and say, take it, take all these papers. If I'm to remember the millennial humor correctly, your computer goes into the sea and you go into the woods. (laughs) Right. So I'm interested in politics. We've been talking about that a lot. I've also considered driving a Krispy Kreme truck. I don't know. Which will it be? Which, Which way do I go? Do I deliver mountains of goodies and chocolate covered cream filled donuts to grocery stores and gas stations? Or do I join a political cause? And You know, back in the 40s, a movie was released in which another man had to make a momentous decision what about his that? career. He looked at the woman of his life, the love of his life, and he told her, frankly, my dear, I'm gone with the wind. That's, you're so stupid. Yes, I am. <laughs> I also stole that from Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, that was the next thing on my list, Fox. Oh, good. I'm glad. I have rejoined Twitter. God help you. And I just don't... I can never understand the rhetorical situation. Who's my audience? What's my purpose? What's my message? You know, do you share media on Twitter? You don't post selfies on Twitter, do you? I mean, I approach it in a more anonymized fashion, but there are people who do put their faces on there often. Well, Chelsea, who's my niece who is on this episode, she just replied to my (laughs) query on Facebook about Twitter. And she said, there are no rules on Twitter, so you can do whatever you want. It's true. It's a rat's nest. You get to join and maybe today you'll be the king of the rats. And usually you don't want to be the king of the rats. I don't want to be king of the rats. I don't want to be a mean, pessimistic, nasty person i don't want to be that person okay i can be that person okay as we all can but anyway so i'm trying to figure out twitter i'm trying to figure out how 
how to approach it in an, I know this is a loaded word, but in an authentic way, I'm looking to connect. Oh, honey, that's not what Twitter and Facebook on YouTube are for. That I disagree with you. I connect with people on Facebook and Instagram all the time okay. in, in meaningful ways. That's fair. And I think that's what the hangup is with me for Twitter because I feel disconnected on Twitter. I feel very much like a stranger in a strange land and I don't know who I'm talking to. Like if I want to share something, I want to share it with a specific group of people or a person. When I post something on Facebook, I know the people that are going to see it. I know those people who are my friends on Facebook. I know what will make them laugh that I'll say, or I know what they're interested in, or I know, I know the room, but I don't on Twitter. It's just a bunch of strangers. I'm not saying it's kumbaya either, but what I am saying is learn to curate your dadgum friends list. Why do you have 4,000 friends? Of course you don't know all of them. Well, I don't have 4,000 friends. No, I'm saying the the editorial you, right? Sure. I, I just decided a long time ago that I am going to take responsibility for what I post and realize that it could be seen by anybody. Sure. Even if they're not friends with me and that I do have responsibility to my job if I want to keep it, right? There are certain things that I'm not going to post. If you have a responsibility in what you post... I also wonder, Facebook is not just a place to post, it is a place to see posts. So do you ever feel a responsibility when you see posts what are bad? Because I... I don't really see anything that is... Maybe you've curated to that extent, because I, and I don't think I'm alone in this, have come across people that I maybe haven't heard from in a long time, but they are on the friends list in some capacity. They've lined their way onto Facebook's infinite scrawl. How long have we been talking? We'll cut some of this. Yeah. If I see someone posting something that is hurtful or hateful or racist or, you know, heinous, mm-hmm. I am going to get rid of that person. That's fair. And I'm not going to see it anymore in my feed. If I were confronted with the same, I would do the same. Yeah. But I know the people in my feed and they, do you know how, what I mean? Like even in your life, you know, I think of my friends like Robbie and Mandy and, People who, you and people who've been in my life, I know them. So I don't expect any like craziness from them. I am glad they have kept your trust and I hope they continue to do so. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, social media. We're not going to solve that problem here, are we? No. Well, today I have two, count them two, guests. One, our first guest is Chelsea and my niece. And after that is one of my former students and a friend of mine. Her name is Lily. And I'll introduce her after Chelsea. So Chelsea is near and dear to my heart. I love her so much. She's funny. She's smart. She's very loving. She's very independent. I can remember when her parents brought her home from the hospital. She was born premature, like very premature. And they brought her home and she was just so tiny. She had been in the NICU for a while. I remember it so well. But she is interested in going into the music business. We talk about that. We talk about her career as a server. I really liked talking to her and having her on the podcast to share her point of view. And I think that everybody's going to enjoy that. So let's just have a listen to my fabulous, amazing niece, Chelsea Freeman Long. First of all, how is the weather okay there? Are you going to like... Well, we may float away. It's super rainy. There's definitely a pond in the front yard. (laughs) Flash flood warnings, but we're doing okay. There's no big winds or anything, so that's a blessing. You're in Dothan, just for everybody who doesn't know. Dothan, Alabama. How did so? Let's talk about where you are right now. First of all, you're Chelsea Freeman. You're my you're my niece. That's how I know you. That's not all you are, obviously. (laughs) But how old are you now? In your your twenty. I'm 29. 20. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're 29. You'll be 30 next year. Yep. So if I asked you like right now, where do you think you are in your life? How would you answer that? Where are you in your life? Um, well, right now I'm probably on the biggest journey of my life to kind of try to find my career and where I fit in and try to find something to do that makes me truly happy. What is that? Music makes me really happy, so I'm pursuing my music business degree at Full Sail University. I I still sing a little bit. I do some covers. I recently set up a Banzoogle page for my Chill Fells Cover Spot Facebook page. 
I really, really love to sing. I haven't had as much time for it lately with my studies. Senior year has been kicking my butt. You know, I'm just trying to make some money doing something that I love to do. You're in your final year of, of your of school? Mm -hmm. I'll graduate in February with my bachelor's and then I'm looking at maybe a master's in digital marketing just because Corona really taught me a lot. I want to be able to have a backup plan and be able to work from home if the occasion ever came. Do you plan on staying in Dothan or are you going to move somewhere else? Well, Seattle, Atlanta, and Nashville, those are the big three. I know that New York would probably be way overwhelming for me. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm an Alabama girl born and bred. Like I've never left the small moseying towns. And I, I mean, I've traveled, but to move and, and really start a new career, I'd have to go somewhere where I feel comfortable. And I love all three of those cities. They're very near and dear to my heart. The only thing Nashville has against it is it's so country centric. Some of the songwriters are breaking into like the pop scene and, and even working with some hip hop artists these days. But um they also have no public transit, and that's not good for me. I was planning on martyring everywhere when I moved to Atlanta. <laughs> well, you do have, like, interesting people like Maren Morris, who, I, is it Morris? Is that her last name? Maren Morris, yeah. Yeah, who, I, I know they're country, but they do have a sort of pop edge to them. So there, there's... Well, and, and genres aren't really, they're not specific anymore. You know, Diplo just released a country album that's dance, pop, and country, all three rolled into one, and, and it charted in all three genres. I mean, of course, it, it performed better in country, and it then dance was the next highest, and pop was the least highest, but the, it charted in all three genres, and it's just, like you said, musicians nowadays, they're not, they're not stuck in one genre. They don't have to work in one thing, so that's what I have to keep reminding myself about Nashville. I could easily go up there and, and find a job that's not in country music, but I, I want to go work for L.A. Reid. <laughs> oh, cool. So you got a very yeah. specific goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, amid all the Me Too stuff, he had some allegations and he had to step down from Epic Records. Um, I'm not really sure how that got handled. I'm pretty sure it all got settled out of court. I don't know too many details about it. But he is currently working with Babyface to rebuild Hitco Entertainment. Um, they feature Dinah Jane from Fifth Harmony and several other up-and-coming rappers out of Atlanta. And I feel like if I could get in when he's rebuilding the company from the ground up, you know, that would be a really smart strategy because then by the time he's representing 600 artists, I could be head of A&R if I put in the work. Yes. I think it's great that you have a plan and a goal and a vision. So that means your heart is more, what, in R&B or hip-hop or... I love all music. Pop music has my heart, but I, I want to say I have more experience in the hip hop industry because that was my first like introduction to promotion for an artist and, and, and even seeing an artist record, even though it was in his home studio in a closet, like my friend, several records, and we would go every Wednesday to like this open mic night at a bar downtown. And I was way too young to even get in, but I got in and. I was kind of like the head of his promotion team. I would pass out all the CDs and I would make the CDs. And so, I don't know, I really enjoy hip hop. It's, it's a great genre. It's fun, it's exciting. And I, I'm willing to work in, in everything except country. I know that sounds crazy considering I am Alabama born and raised, <laughs> probably be a country girl, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I love country, but I understand that. And you, you know, you like what you like and you want to work where you want to work. Well, it's just, you know, after after my dad died, country was kind of a hard genre to just listen to and intake. There were a lot of really sad songs out when he had three wooden crosses and some of the old Tim McGraw stuff. I, look, Gabby Barrett, I love me some Gabby Barrett. Like, I watched her on American Idol. I worked late and missed a chance to catch her at a show in Ozark, and I have been mad about that for two years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's not that I can't appreciate a good country artist. It's just that... It's just a genre that's kind of too heavy for me. I just don't. <laughs> Gabby, what's her last name? Gabby Barrett. I think she interviewed Dolly recently for some series on Amazon oh, or something. Adorable. I bet that was so cute. Yeah, I need to go back and watch it. I saw it in the beginning, but so who who is out there now that, that you really admire as an artist? Oh, I know well, you love Florence. 
for sure. Florence will to Florence and Machine always. But right now, I've sort of been all about Dua Lipa this year. I've, I've, it's the year of Dua. Like, I don't know if you know much about her. She's from England. Um, she went to a like a talent kind of high school there and they kicked her out. They said her vocals weren't good enough. She, she just wasn't up to par. She didn't work hard enough. And then, you know, a few years later, she released her uh, debut, the uh, new rules or whatever it was. And so this album that she's put out, her last album with physical and levitate, it's just got so many good songs on it. And I'm so disappointed that she wasn't able to tour because She's a really, like, she's a success story. You know, she beat all the odds. And I really love Dua. And I love her vocals. She's got such a great voice. Julia Michaels is another good person that I'm into right now. Mulatto, if we're going to talk about hip-hop. Yeah. <laughs> she, a 21-year-old hip-hop artist out of Atlanta. And she is the first female that I've heard do trap music in a very long time. And I know you probably don't know what that is, but it's a very specific style of, like, kind of gangster East Atlanta rap, very similar to what T.I. put out when he first started. Okay. She's just awesome. I love seeing strong females do things like oh, that. Yeah. Things that are usually for the boys club, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen her. I haven't listened to her yet, but I have seen her, you know, fly by my Spotify, you know, must <laughs> listen list and all that. One of the things I remember about you as a kid was is how much you and I, you were probably, I don't know, you stayed with us a lot with grandma and me. And I remember singing Whitney Houston with you all the time. And you were always, always singing and into music. Where do you think you got that from? Honestly, I feel like everybody, because, you know, I spent a lot of time in, in the incubator when I was born. That's true. And she was a pre. Nana, <laughs> Nana and Papa, they would always make sure that I had music there whether it was like nursery rhymes and dad snuck in Nirvana, I'm pretty sure. And like <laughs> everything under the sun, they always made sure I had music there. I know we were going through batteries like crazy at that point in time, <laughs> but the nurses would keep it changed out. And I always had music going from the moment I was out of the womb. And even I'm sure in the womb, I was exposed to everything my parents were listening to. And, you know, my mom's, my mom's, probably the biggest musical influence in my life. She used to test me right around and she'd be like, okay, who is this one? And I'd say Aerosmith. And then she'd get so disappointed because it was Guns N' Roses. And I was like, <laughs> not, how am I supposed to know which one's Guns N' Roses and which one's Aerosmith? <laughs> so, okay. So, you know, uh, but everybody, you, you're, you're one of the most inspirational people in my life. Uh, you are. You've never been afraid to do what you want to do and be who you are and do what you want, you know? Well, you inspire me. So I love watching you do all these things. I'm so proud of you. And as you were talking, I was like, she's so smart. <laughs> I knew you were smart, but you've learned a lot over the years. Don't you have a studio in your own home? Yeah, I do. We're, I mean, so we have like my little DJ equipment. And I, I told you, I don't have as much time as I used to, but I have an Akai MPD 26 feet pad and a cord pad control that I do a little bit of work on. And I'm learning how to use GarageBand since I upgraded to the MacBook versus my Dell. And that's fun. <laughs> it really yeah. is fun. And GarageBand is where you, you do like... It's a DAW software and, and it just helps put together the tracks. You can put in your 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 keyboard track and then your bass loops and then you can record vocals and you can mix it and everything right on your computer it's like you said earlier we artists don't even need they don't need labels they don't really need producers if they know how to do that themselves they can just self-produce and make all the royalties yeah i think that's all fascinating do you have to play the instruments too like are you playing the keyboards and Oh yeah, yeah. You um, it's called a MIDI connection. You'll just plug. Let's see where my end is. You just plug one USB in into your your keyboard or your uh, beat pad or whatever it is you're working in. Plug the other one into your computer and bada bing, bada boom. That is crazy. The the beat pad's a little harder. You have to like assign all of your sounds that you want to each pad and and note remember which sequence is where, but. Once you, once you figure it out, it's, you can really make a song in 10 or 15 minutes. It's, wow. it's truly amazing. <laughs> have you written your own music and your own songs? I, I have. I do have one the original that I uploaded to SoundCloud. It was, um, 
just a little it was something I did for fun really all the music I make and anything I cover that's all for fun it's it's not like you, I'm not like I'm not trying to make money or anything like that either yeah. but Diplo who is a DJ he had gotten into this feud with Zed who's another DJ and Diplo was accusing Zed of ripping off all of his music so I wrote a little song and I did a little you know like EDM beat and it's called uh, Diplo's Ode to Zed's Douchebag <laughs> and nobody ever heard it it's got like 11 plays or whatever but you know it, it is fun to do yeah yeah one of the things i love about you i don't know if i've ever actually just come out and told you this is there's you have this quality about you i don't know what to call it you seem very independent and very strong is that true would you say that about yourself i i would say i'm very independent yes <laughs> how how did you fit that way is that just a streak that you were born with you know, I, I used to just kind of blow it off as, as being an only child. And, you know, I had to spend a lot of time by myself. I had to occupy myself. And I always had plenty of friends. And I've never really been alone. But I've always sort of felt like I was the only one I could depend on. And I've been doing a little bit of research. And it turns out that that could be from all the time that I spent away from my mom and my dad in the incubator as as a child like it it led me to I'm not going to say that I don't have deep personal connections but I do sort of tend to keep people at arm's length because I'm so dependent on myself uh -huh. so I I am very independent I like to do things my my way and, and well your mom is too and, and frankly so am I <laughs> And I think your dad was too. So, you know, <laughs> how premature were you? You were very premature. Were 26 you? weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember that's a, whole, uh, that's a whole trimester, you know, um, I, I want to say I spent two and a half months in the incubator before they let me come home. I want to say it was almost a whole month before my mom and dad even got to hold me and have that first like touch time and, and, you know, like I said, that's not something I'd ever really thought about until recently, like the psychological effects it could have on a child being in NICU, because, you know, I don't know, I've, I've studied a little bit about children and their formative years, and um, your, your first year is when your models form as to how the world is supposed to work and what relationships are supposed to look like, and missing out on some of that time probably just led me to be a little more independent in some ways, and, and I think it's a good thing. I didn't mean to imply that I don't think you have to. No, I am very independent. You know, I, I just always kind of have been, though. I mean, I can remember being, we were about six when I moved to Arkansas. We moved to Arkansas for about a year. And mom couldn't find me one day. And I was down the road with, like, my nine-year-old friend. And we were trying to find other kids to babysit. Like, <laughs> so as at like a six-year-old, I don't think would normally do that, but I was like, let's go find some kids to babysit and make money for whatever reason we felt like we needed it. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten that y'all moved to Arkansas, but, but then you can't, you weren't gone too long. Oh no, we, I think maybe barely a year we lived up there. And then when we came back, that's when we moved to South Alabama. Yeah. And you, and you like it down there, right? Oh, it's my home, man. Like I can talk about moving to Atlanta. I can talk about moving to Seattle. I can talk about moving anywhere, but South Alabama will always be my home. Yeah. It's truly my home. It's where I grew up. It's where all my memories are, you know, and I, I have good memories of Arab and stuff too. Don't get me wrong. Like that's listed as my hometown on Facebook, but home is, is the other LA as John Freeman used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> the other LA. It's just the flatlands and the farmlands, and I'm so close to the beach that I could just go anytime I want to. And there's something comforting about the familiarity of the farmlands and the flatlands. And but you said earlier, you said, okay, there's three places that I might go, Seattle. And I know you visited Seattle, and I'm sure you've been to Nashville. What is it about Atlanta that makes you want to... I probably have more experience with Atlanta. I mean, I've been in and out of Atlanta since I was 10. You know, we would go and spend sometimes weeks at a time up there just hanging out, do, doing whatever it is that mom decided we were going to do. <laughs> That's the underground is the underground mall. You know, the a lot of Piedmont Park, Centennial Olympic Park. These are places, very good memories for me. And I guess maybe it is because I've just spent so much time there. And that's where I went on my honeymoon, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I truly love, I think it's beautiful. And they, they 
have a great public transit system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you mentioned your wedding and I wanted to bring this up. That was, you know, I hate weddings. I'm going to be very honest. I hate weddings. Your wedding was the wedding for people who don't like traditional weddings. It was the greatest, most, that dress was beautiful. The setting was beautiful. I loved the whole thing. Uh, you came <laughs> dancing out. I mean, it was just awesome. In my memory, you were dancing at some point. A lot of points. That's, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Did you, you plan know, that? No, it was just kind of spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> I worried a lot when I was planning my wedding because I knew that I had this vision for it. And I, I know I'm not a traditional person. I knew it wasn't going to be what everybody expected. And I was worried that everyone would get along and, yeah. you know, just traditional wedding yes. thing. But it, I honestly had such a great time. And I think about it all the time. I actually have the like middle part of my photo booth that we had up. It's oh. like, it's just too heavy to put on the wall or I would put it on the wall. Yeah, yeah it was but, a really great wedding. Where did you get that dress? That's what I was going to say. It's a funny story. Um, I went with my friend Rhonda, who actually took my engagement pictures. And we worked together at Denny's for four or five years. She's a great person. It's her birthday today, actually. Shout out, Rhonda. So she took me to Ozark and she's like, look, there's no reason you need to spend $2,000 on a dress. We're going to go find you one at this thrift store. They have great dresses. And I'm like, okay, I'm down. You know, I'm raised in a family that thrift. Of course, I was not trying to spend $1,700 on a dress. Thank you. But I did kind of sort of have like a specific look I was going for. Like I wanted something long sleeved and, and kind of flowy. So we walk in and we walked back to like the bigger dress section and everything was horrid. It was from the 80s. It had big puffy leaves. And, you know, even if you kind of recreated it a little bit, it would still have looked horrid. So I was like, eh, I don't know, maybe today's not our day. Ron. <laughs> and we're walking out and there's this mannequin right at the front door and it has my dress on it. I don't know if you remember the front, but the front was so emblazoned with all this jewel, everything. And then come to find out, it was a vintage Jack Bryant, I believe is the designer. And it's from like in between 64 and 67 from when nice. I dated. I was like, this is the one. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was super easy. And then that, that, that was done. Like I had my dress <laughs> check mark. <laughs> it was great. And it was fun. You know, I don't see a lot of the other side of your family and it was nice to see Stacy and your other grandparents, you know, when they were have everybody together. Yeah. It really well, and you've been working, you know, you've got some years under your belt in the food industry. Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot. 10, 10 years, 2010. Yeah. So yeah. 10 years. Spent two of those at a Japanese place and the other eight have been serving breakfast food. Right. Have you been treated well as a waitress, do you think? You have you had to put up with a lot of crap? Oh <laughs> more than I can imagine, I'm sure. For sure. Just for one instance, like, okay, I will be honest, my husband is very apprehensive about me going to work for LA Reed because of the sexual harassment allegations. And I, I, I tell him like this, I worked at Denny's for six years, uh, about the fourth year that I was there, there were these regulars that came in, you know, and they're older gentlemen, they were probably 77, 78. And they come in almost every day. So, you know, at this point, you get to build a rapport. You get to kind of know a little bit about their family. I've met their children. I know his wife, you know. So he brings his brother in, and they're having breakfast. And at the end of it, I just give him a customary pat on the back. And, you know, you guys have a good day. And the brother just reaches up there and on my buttocks, you know. So I immediately go back there and told my manager, he comes out, he, he says something to the gentleman, but he lets them continue to eat their meal and pay for it. Well, I had to leave in secret because, mind you, these men, while they were old, they were also like six foot five and pretty menacing, you know, <laughs> like to yeah. me, because I'm five foot four, if that puts anything in perspective mm-hmm. for everybody. So they, they then after they follow their bill and I've already snuck out, I'm over getting a few things I need from the convenience store. They were connected the Denny's in the convenience store. They followed me over to the convenience store and proceeded to ask me why I lied to my manager about his brother touching his butt. And I said, well, I didn't lie. You know, you did. And at this point, I'm looking at the guy that's behind the counter at the Flying J like, help, 
you know, and I'm looking around looking for anybody I know to get out of the situation. And then finally I see Susan come out of work and I just, I didn't even say anything else to him. I just walked away and beeline towards Susan and we went and got in our cars. Yeah. <laughs> but, and that's just one that's instance scary. of like get really, I would say more so it's guest interactions versus like management and things, because I will say Brian tried to handle the situation but he wasn't the type that would like bar people from coming in and things like yeah. that but now he he would not have gone for any of that they would no longer be guests at, at metro diner i feel like there should be signs up in, in both retail establishments and in restaurants that say from management if you treat our employees poorly we will bar you from ever like there's so much emphasis on treating the customer right and you should right. But you that it's mutual. Like we should because all. We are, we are in the service industry. I understand that, but I am not a servant. Exactly. You know, and, the, and there's a difference, and I'm not somebody that can be degraded and looked down upon. And mm -hmm. and, and they don't know you if they think that's going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> and for a long time, I feel like I kind of got this rap for being a server. But look, man, I make as much as as. A secondary teacher like I make as much as a high school teacher with the same probably benefits if not better than what they're offered and and I really that's why I waited so long to go back to school because I was making decent money I really do enjoy serving I like being around people I like the interaction I'm I'm peopley even though I'm independent <laughs> yeah I got you <laughs> you know so I, I like talking too like so I get to know their stories they get to know mine and and it's fun it really is and you make decent really decent money i mean i've made like 160 dollars a shift almost every day since we've come back from being closed for quarantine yeah and you haven't gotten sick right no i have not gotten Good. sick i'm my hands behind every table i'm extremely extremely diligent because yeah. i thought you know my mother i know high blood pressure doesn't bother a lot of people or seem major to them but she's already had some pretty scary stuff go on with her blood pressure issues and i can't i'm not gonna bring it home to get her sick i'm not gonna bring it home to get my husband sick you yeah. know and he he had to work the entire time as a vendor he was an essential employee he had to go take out everybody's chips and crackers that they were yeah. spree buying <laughs> <laughs> exactly but um, I always made sure, like, I went and got him some gloves the next day after I got laid off. I went and got him some for my job. Yeah. That's that's how great my boss is now. Like, the company I work for now is amazing. <laughs> they, uh, they're they very understanding. They gave me a lot of time off when I was going through some family issues, and I'm very appreciative of that. That's really good. No one should ever shame someone because of what they do. I, I mean... Honestly, you, you probably sometimes make more money than I'm making. So, But it's not about just money. You know what I mean? Right, and, and it's not, not. You know, and the only reason really that I decided that it was time for me to make a change was if I one day decide to have children, I am not going to raise them on a server salary. Right. While it's good enough for me to maintain the lifestyle that I prefer. It is not a it is not a salary and, and a way of life that I want to raise my children in if I ever do have any. It's it with with this industry, that is the the main thing. Like it it's a lot of people have to work nights. I'm very fortunate that I work at a diner and I'm able to work day shift and it works very well with my schedule. He I mean, he gives me days off for school that I need, you know, but not everybody is able to find a company that works like that with them. So a lot of these servers that are raising children, they're working night shifts from four to 10 and their children are at school while they're off. They have to find somebody to watch their children when they're at work and then they never get to see their family. And then a lot of people I know, they they get the things that their children need, but they're not able to, to give them everything that they want and things that could help expand their life. All right, it's 1.46. Usually my interviews last 45 minutes. so. Is there anything that you wanted to say that I didn't ask you or anything? I mean, not really. I've had a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous, even though you are my uncle. I was like, it'd be different if you sent me more of an interview sheet to prep with. But it's cool. I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> I know. I don't do that with anybody because I actually don't really, I don't really prepare much myself. I do inside my head a little bit, but I never 
one time I had a list of questions and I can't remember who it was. It was somebody that really intimidated me. I was nervous too, though. I'm nervous every time. And I'm so nervous that I'm almost like, I want to cancel that kind of, you know what I'm like? Can I come up with an excuse? Oh my gosh. So I'm sitting on the front porch having the same feelings as you are. <laughs> yeah. I really just wanted to unfold as a conversation. And it was great. We've talked about a lot of interesting things and you're very interesting. And I knew that all I had to do was just listen to you talk. Yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chelsea. You know, I love you and I am so happy that you agreed to do this podcast. Now we have that recorded forever. Next is a wonderful former student and now friend, Lily Haley, who discusses her current career and her future plans, along with what life has been like for her during the pandemic. While she works in advertising public relations, she also has great talent as an actress, and we talk about that as well. Actually, I directed Lily in a production of The Merchant of Venice, so I know firsthand how talented she is. All in all, this is, again, one of my favorite episodes, and I really hope you enjoy listening to Lily Haley. How are you doing? I'm doing great. This is so crazy. It's been how many years? It's been a while. I was looking back. I think it was 2015 or 16 when we did that show. It was, wasn't it? And then you were in, uh, you were in my lit class at one, at least one lit class, weren't you? I was in your intro, the uh, English Comp 101. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's how we met, and then we all went around the room and said our name, what high school we went to, where we were from, and what we wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> What did you want to be? Do you remember? Yeah, I wanted to be a nurse. I remember that. And then I changed to advertising my sophomore year. What made you change your mind? I think when you're young, you want to do something that's going to make you a lot of money. So I wanted to be a veterinarian. That didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, what's something close to that? And I thought nursing. And I wanted to do, the, I wanted to be a traveling nurse. And then I was thinking, oh, I'll be a nurse anesthetist. And I'll, all I have to do is administer the anesthesia and I'll make so much money and I have to do it. I mean, you think about all these things and then you realize, oh, I have to do that. <laughs> and then I, uh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's awesome. I really appreciate you doing this. You look cool. stunning as always. Thank you. I saw the other day on somewhere that, was it Facebook that you had some headshots and things like that? Yes. Are you planning on doing more acting or modeling or what? Uh, so I'm on backstage and I just submitted, it's really simple to become an extra. It's just getting the yes is the hardest thing. So I've sent in a lot of headshots and just my resume and then it's a link to your profile. So the other day I submitted my audition to Netflix's Stranger Things. Oh, wow. To be an extra as either a Russian type or just like a general extra. So we'll see. You can I do a know. Russian type. Yeah, I, well, I think I could. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to make me shave my head though, if I got that. No. Yeah, I think they would. Would you do that? Yeah, I've put on there. I put on there. I would. I need and I needed like an opportunity. I feel like I need to just get my foot in the door. Put something on there besides Bevel State and <laughs> Shelton <laughs> Community College plays. So you did things when you were in drama when you were in high school, right? You did, and didn't you do mime? I did pantomime. pantomime. No, you're right. Yeah, I did. I um, won every year that I competed at state with pantomime that's awesome yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't lost that desire then you still want to yeah. do acting and things like that I really do I think for the longest I was I was such a little adult as a kid and I was like well it, it's not going to happen for me it only happens to one in a million and I was just resided to the fact that that's not pragmatic, Lily. You need to get a real job. And I wanted that safety net, I think, as a child, because the floor had been, you know, the rug had been 
swept under my feet when I was a little kid because my dad died. So I feel like I was so afraid to really go after things that I wanted and that like I didn't deserve it. So in college, I, you're already starting to grow up and you really have to be honest with yourself. What do you really want to do? Because you're going to die eventually (laughs) and you're going to look back and you're going to, I just feel like that, I think that ended up being what, like that thought of regretting not doing what I wanted to do really pushed me to at least try to be an actress. So, and you're really good at it. I remember when we did Merchant of Venice, it was my first year teaching. I had never directed a play. I had done theater and I had acted and everything, but I don't even really enjoy Shakespeare. Don't shoot me, anybody who's listening. Merchant of Venice, most of all, is my least favorite Shakespeare play ever. And it's very problematic. It's kind of anti-Semitic and misogynistic. And it was bad, yeah. And we tried to do something different with it. I think we succeeded. It's just, it was a bumpy road for all of us. <laughs> Do you remember when you were on the stage and I was in the balcony and you told me to shut up? <laughs> I was such a fuck. I tell you, like, I was so dramatic. <laughs> no, it was fine. I thought it was great. We have, but you and I both have a similar spirit. So I, I respect that. Yeah, we <laughs> were both assholes, I guess. <laughs> it tones down with age. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I remember feeling really embarrassed about that too. It was like, oh. why would you do that? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring up that and embarrass you. No, 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 no. It's funny though. It's funny. <laughs> I just think of like, oh, I was such a like little diva. Like, <laughs> well, I can be too. So it's all right. Did you do any shows while you were at UA? Um, I didn't do any shows at UA. I auditioned only one time while I was there. I wish I had auditioned more. I got a call back for some Greek play and then I didn't get it, but I really had a lot of support with my UA professors, Seth Panich and Kelly Shoger, and I can't remember her name, but they really did make me feel confident in my acting ability. In high school, there's always someone that you already know who the favorites are. I was not, I mean, I look back, I I was not good. I think college was when I started to grow as an actress. Yeah. Well, I think you have a lot of talent. So I hope that things happen for you in the future. I'm looking forward to seeing you with your head shaved. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. (laughs) Or like an 80s perm, I guess is the other. Yeah. There's people that you remind me, when I'm watching uh, certain series, I think about oh, certain people could have played that role. And when I watch Homeland, have you ever seen Homeland with Claire Danes? I think you could totally play that role. So when you got to UA, what made you go to, first of all, let's go back. What made you go to community college? Like, where did you grow up? I forget. I grew up in Hoover. So I went to Hoover High School, graduated 2015. I didn't do well on my ACT. I made a 20 on my ACT and Mm -hmm. that really discouraged me. And that was a big reason why I didn't want to be a veterinarian. And then like, that was a huge deterrent for me. And then realizing it really doesn't dictate my intelligence, but I mean, I made good grades and I think there's so many different types of intelligences out there. I remember okay. you were, you were, your mom was in another place and there was some kind of split living situation where you were yes. at two campuses or something. Well, I was living in Eldridge and my stepdad inherited the land there. And then when I turned nine ish, they got married and then they started building what we called the farmhouse. And mm. so I was living in the guest house. While I was going to community college and I just wanted to like financially say, I thought that like my parents couldn't afford four year. I don't know why I thought that, but I just assumed that. And so I thought, well, I have to go to community college to like help out my parents, mm-hmm. but we were totally fine. I could have gone to four year. <laughs> do you regret that? Yeah, I do. Okay. I I definitely wish I had gone to a four-year. But if I hadn't have gone to community college, I wouldn't have met all the people that I met there. And also, I wouldn't have met Dallas. We've been together four and a half years now. Oh, my so, gosh. I knew it had been a I, while. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. So I think I think things, like, really do, you know, plan. it's unexpected, but I'm happy with my life. 
Yeah. Are you living in Tuscaloosa now? I am now back to the whole in between living arrangements again. (laughs) Um, I moved out of my apartment in March, basically when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I'm getting out. I'm taking advantage of this. And I moved back into the guest house, which we call the lily pad. Oh, yeah, it's cute. (laughs) (laughs) And um, now I pretty much I work at the River Market in Tuscaloosa. So I'm a city employee and it's been wild. They had us working at a COVID testing site the other day. Oh, wow. (sighs) Yeah. Have you heard about it's a do it yourself? No. (laughs) How's that going? Okay. So these students, (laughs) this is the craziest thing. You have to go get a COVID test before you go back to school, right? These kids are waiting because they don't have to go to class until they get their test done. Attendance isn't being taken. Mm. And they're waiting until just the last moment. <laughs> and, and they're like coming in. And then after you get your test taken, 14 days after, you still can't go to class. Oh, wow. And if you show up to class, they will escort you out because it's all a liability thing. But yeah, so I work, I'm a social media coordinator for the city of Tuscaloosa at the River Market. And I like take pictures of weddings and farmers markets, all sorts of events. And while I'm doing that, I'm staying with Dallas in Tuscaloosa in his apartment with his roommate, James. How do you like that? Do you like that job? I love my job. I wish I was full-time. That's the only downside. I'm part-time, but I get paid really well, 19, 12 an hour. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm... I'm good with that for now. I can save my money. Today, I'm actually supposed to finish up my resume and send it to Caitlin. She works at Coca-Cola in advertising. And hopefully she can give me, you know, some suggestions. And I don't know if I'm going to get a job there. I don't think they're hiring. The whole world is shut down. I mean, yeah. so that kind of takes the stress off as a like college graduate because, I mean, I really can't find a job. I'm just happy to have one. Yeah, I saw that you graduated in December, right? Before right. Before all this hit. So you got to actually have a ceremony? Yes, I did. Yeah, I never walked in my own graduation, so I was a weirdo. Why? I just hate ceremony, but I'm glad that you got that opportunity to do that. I'm surprised that you wouldn't have done that. No, it's- I did. High school was the last time I walked. So let me ask you this. Do you think, is advertising like that's your, you know, you said when you were a kid, you wanted to have something, kind of safety net. Is advertising your safety net? Yes, 100%. It is my safety net. (laughs) It sounds kind of cool, actually. What do you do? And is there any, what's involved in advertising, like in the world that you're going to go into, that you're already in? I know you said taking pictures and things like that. Yeah. Promotion. Um, It's really just, you can do, social media is huge. Every business needs social media. I think that's like, if you're in advertising, if you're any viewers listening, <laughs> if you're thinking about it, I suggest taking social media classes. I wish I had. I didn't. But, and here I am. It just kind of fell in my lap. I got an internship there because I really liked the farmer's markets and I kept reaching out and I kept persisting until she gave me an internship. <laughs> and, and then I just worked my way up to part-time. Uh, it's fun. I There's so many routes in advertising. You can do like the business end of advertising. You can be the... um like researcher and you can collect survey data. Uh, I really enjoyed that. That's what I thought I was going to end up doing was be in more of the research aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it's like the hardest thing about advertising was I didn't know what I wanted. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where to even begin. So I don't, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're doing great. I mean, the fact that you already have a job, like it's right out of graduation. I mean, pretty much, right? Yeah, I got it. I know it's not full-time, but. It's not full-time, yeah, but I got it in February. I applied for the position in January, did my interview, and then, yeah, mid-February, I got it. And during the pandemic, we were just, we, all of our events got canceled. So my boss is trying to move us around and figure out like where we're going to be and trying to get us hours. So I was temporarily moved into communications for the city of Tuscaloosa. And honestly, the pandemic has helped me so much because I've met all of these higher ups in my department. 
And I've made a little bit of a reputation for myself. And I did an interview for uh, the police department as a full-time communications coordinator. And I was considered, but they gave it to someone with way more experience. She was a news reporter. Yeah. But uh, I'm just great that you had that interview though. That's really good. Yeah. I I mean, I think they wanted to give me an interview just to give me one because they knew who I was, but um, yeah, it it was good. I'm glad I got the experience. Do you see yourself staying in Alabama or do you want to eventually move somewhere else? I definitely want to move when I can. I want to move to Atlanta. Or LA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lie. <laughs> a lie. <laughs> and is Dallas on board with that? <laughs> he really wants, he would prefer to go to LA or, I mean, he's such a, he's a Texan boy. So he really wants to go to Texas. I just don't think there's film or anything like that. I don't think there's any opportunity for me in Texas. I think Atlanta would be great for you, especially. He doesn't think so for him which I get. He wants to, I don't even really understand what he wants to do, but it's something with stocks and I guess be a stock trader. Oh, I have no idea. It's beyond it's over, my head. <laughs> over my head too. Absolutely. What did you do? Like when the lockdown happened, you said that a lot of your work wasn't happening as much. What did right. you do? I'm curious about what people your age were doing. Cause I really did lock down for like a month. But what were you yeah, doing? I didn't really go anywhere. I wasn't even seeing Dallas because I was so, he has a weak immune system. So oh. I was really nervous. And I was with my parents. I just was scared big time. In March to May, like I really didn't do anything. Even when I was commuting to work, when I, if I ever did go to Tuscaloosa for work, I just would stay with Dallas for maybe an hour and then go home. And I did a lot of painting. I painted a lot of furniture. I started doing poetry. I kind of just went back to what I used to do in middle school and had nothing to do. Like, (laughs) no friends. (laughs) I didn't know. I just like, I played some video games, did some social media work. What else? Oh, I started gardening. So you are in Tuscaloosa a lot of the time, right? Now? Yeah, definitely right now. I mean, I'm getting overtime currently with these pop-up farmer's markets we're doing all throughout Tuscaloosa and the COVID testing site that just randomly happened. That really tacked on a lot of hours for me this week. So the next few weeks, I'm going to be in Tuscaloosa. Because I see a lot in the news. I saw today, this morning, actually, that there were like 1,400 students tested positive in the past, you know, weeks or whatever. So it's good that you got off campus while you could. (laughs) It really is. I'm so glad. I cannot imagine being in school right now. I'm thinking about these little kids that are just are wearing. I what quality life of like this childhood are they having right now with these masks? It's sad, but <laughs> I guess it's it's it just feels weird. It's so weird. It's been what eight months? Yeah, it's been a long time. It's are, yeah. Are you? But are you sort of? Like, I'm a little bit slower, I think, to get back into the swing of things. I feel like a lot of people have gotten back into the swing of things. Have you, are you going out more and doing things more? Do you go to restaurants and things like that now? Yeah, it hasn't. I feel like I'm over it and I hate to say it, but <laughs> I, I don't mind going out now. I feel like I would have gotten it by now. And maybe it's just because I'm young. I feel like I would have given it also to my parents by now because I see thousands of people a day at work especially yeah. for these farmers markets and but you're wearing a mask and all that right? I'm wearing a mask and I'm sanitizing and I'm doing everything I can to be as healthy as possible it's appropriate for us to be wearing masks in very public spaces like that I've a lot I've mixed feelings about it now though because I it's probably just because I'm tired of it it's just like a selfish reason well, people, I think I understand people getting tired of something. I do. Yeah. I still yeah. wear my mask. I went to the drive-in theater the other night over in Leeds. Yeah. A friend of mine had a movie that was oh, cool. But it was so freaking hot. You can't keep your yeah. car running. Yeah. Not, you're not supposed to. There were some people who were rebellious, but I, I was following the rules and I was so sweaty. <laughs> and I, I couldn't wear my mask in that. But there weren't, you know, we, we were all spaced out in our cars. So, yeah. 
I couldn't stand that. And one day I was caught in the rain with my mask and that was really gross. I thought we need like umbrellas for our masks or whatever. I really enjoy the face shield. That's been my go-to lately. Oh, I see. I I can't get my hands on a face shield. Go on Amazon. I'll just order it online. Yeah. I love the way you said (laughs) it. Like I'm 4,000 years old and have never heard of Amazon. You're right. I should just order one. You don't feel stupid I when you're I keep telling it. people that. I keep, everyone, like even kids come up to me and they're like, where'd you get it? I'm like, just look online. <laughs> Do you wear a mask and the shield or you just wear the shield? I have heard that some people are required to wear a mask with their shield, but I don't. I don't have to. No one's told me anything. Uh, I think that's nurses. Okay. If you were to look back and talk to your, to the Lily I knew back in 2000, what was it, 16? What would you, what do you think is different? The the biggest difference between you now and you then? What do I not know about you now? Well, I don't know a lot about you, but you know what I mean? What's changed? You, I would tell myself that you are in control of how much you value things people don't make you feel a certain way you let them make you feel that way I think that's what I would tell my younger self because I feel like I would blame others for how you made me feel like this but it's a it's a hard lesson do you think that you're happier now because of that or more peaceful yeah I feel like I'm at peace with I think I care I would just care too much about things that I didn't need to care so much about even in just working and my part-time job I've learned to just roll with the punches yeah because it's good you can't please everybody and you can only please yourself <laughs> <laughs> what, what is a typical I know it's only part-time but what is a typical day like for you I mean is it, um, is it only on the weekends or? No, it's when it's solely scheduled around events. So whatever our events are, the farmer's markets, we have these pop-up markets that we're doing until the end of September, like weddings. We do events for the city. So like the mayor or the government will, or the government, the governor will come in and things like that. And just, oh, and UA events. Yeah, we had um, a teacher internship program come in. They were letting all the interns know, like, "Oh, it's going to be okay. Like, (laughs) if the school shuts down, you'll be fine." (laughs) You're gonna. It's so scary to think about. Like, these students are so worried about if it all shuts down, if they're going to pass their class or not. You know. Do you find Um, yourself in these events? Are you like this super extroverted? getting to know all these different people or are you so busy doing what you have to do that you don't really have a chance? Is it? It's like a hurry up and wait kind of job Yeah. Um, because we set up the events and we break down. So we're moving all the tables and chairs and, and we'll like put a pipe and drapes, these metal pipes that we connect together. And then we put drapes on them for the weddings and it's kind of, it's cool. What I was kind of trying to get at is if you, if you meet a lot of different kinds of people or is it like you're sort of like separated from them? Yeah, no, we don't really, I mean, we interact with them a little bit. It's just as they need things from us, I sometimes will network. I'm waiting for the Christmas. The Christmas parties are really good. Um, We have some big names that come in and they throw these parties for their employees and they are just really good to to network with. Yeah, it just really depends on who it is. Like, I'm not going to go up to Walt and try to talk to him. I don't want to bother him. You have to know. You have to read the room, I guess. But you can at least call him by his first name, apparently. (laughs) Hey, Walt. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, Walt. (laughs) No, he does not know me. I'm sure he doesn't. You know, I interviewed him one time a hundred years ago when I was in grad school because I wrote a paper about city government. Really? Yeah, he let me. He sat down for an interview with me. I don't remember it. I mean, I, I remember doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you and know, I, like, and I have the paper that I wrote that came out of that, but I don't remember yeah. much about it. So I'm sure he doesn't remember me. What are your plans like going forward in the next five years? You hate that question? Yeah, I do. Because okay. you can't know. <laughs> no. And I used to be such a planner. I was like, I'm going to get married at 27 and I'm going to have children. I just really 
thought I had it all figured out. You can't know. I, I guess I, ideally I would like to be acting. I'd like to be a working actress. Yeah. And I don't really care where I am as long as I'm, and pro- I, I'll probably be married by then with to Dallas. You do want to marry? Yeah, I, I, I want to get married and I just want us to have jobs first before we get married. I don't want us to be dependent on our parents. I feel like that's silly when I see these 23-year-olds getting married and <laughs> they're living with their parents. I just think that's ridiculous, but that's yeah. just my opinion. I can see that. Well, I guess our 30 minutes has come to a close. Okay. Um, so I'll put you out of your misery. No, I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad that you did this. It's so fun to catch up with you. Where You Are was created by Jimmy Ellenberg and edited by Fox Williams. Our intro is Small Piano from the Ant Hill album by Patricia Taxon. All music was used with permission. The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution for which I have ever worked or will ever work. Thanks for listening. Have a nice day wherever you are.